Hi, I'm Dr. John Lakey. And I'm Dr. Payman Danielport. We're board-certified plastic surgeons and hosts of the podcast, Forever Young. Join us every Tuesday as we share the latest products and procedures in the never-ending quest to help our patients look and feel their very best. The world of cosmetic surgery is constantly improving. Join us on the cutting edge. Forever Young is available wherever you get your podcasts. The following content is not suitable for children. Back to the basics, working with the emotional and sexual cycles. I'm glad we're doing this, George. This is what people have been asking us for, is just like one episode where they can get the whole theory all at once. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. Hey, don't forget to check out uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. It really helps us to support the podcast and keep delivering free content. Thanks so much. All right, let's do it. We've got to start somewhere. Start with the basics. So let's talk about the emotional and the sexual cycle. I think the first thing I want to say, Lori, is really try to invite our listeners to see process. So many of us are raised to see things linearly, right? Like if you stop yelling, we wouldn't be in a fight. Mm-hmm. We don't see how what I do to the yelling often feeds what's happening on your end. So, you know, one of the first couples I saw, the wife was nonstop talking. She came mm-hmm. in, George, I really, I, I really need my husband to change. He won't talk. I don't know what to do. She talked nonstop and her complaint was he doesn't talk. Right. Well, how can he talk more if she don't talk less? Mm-hmm. How do you start to get couples to see interdependency, to create change? Both people have to do something differently. Yeah. And her fear, right, is I'm only talking, be- I'm trying to get him to talk. Mm-hmm. All my questions, all of that is really to engage him. She doesn't understand how that pushes him away. And he doesn't understand exactly. how the silence makes her fill that feel that vacuum anxious. with talk. His silence feeds her anxiety. Her anxiety feeds his not engaging. Right. Right. That's seeing a process. That's seeing interdependency. That's seeing a bigger picture, which is very different than a lot of us are raised. Both people are fully convinced. She's convinced that if he talked more, things would be better. He's convinced if she talked less, things would be better. Or if they're she both w- right. Yeah, they're both right. But also, if she were just happy, things would be better. Right. You know, that's often it. So I want to talk about that really in our romantic relationship, we have this cycle that you just described, but it's going on in two different places, often in our emotional connection and also in our sexual connection. And we need both of them, right? Emotional connection brings us a sense of security and sexual intimacy often brings the excitement that our daily life needs. You know, we, we have a balance of need in relationship for security and excitement. And particularly, I think, in the sexual connection, if we don't have that, the relationship becomes vulnerable. So, you know, we're, we're really worried, like, does our partner love us? Do we love our partner? And we can get tempted toward affairs and infidelity. And people say, well, that's not me. I've made this commitment. But I always think, you know what, other people kind of sense when that sexual connection is not strong between two people. And so they kind of capitalize on that and take advantage of that and flirt and 
interferes. So even if you're absolutely committed to fidelity, I think if the sexual cycle is not strong between the two of you, then you are vulnerable. And I would say if you're absolutely connected to fidelity and you're not strong in your sexual cycle, that's not a that's not an absolute commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but we we can find that without sex, our relationship really erodes, and there's there's just little left. So we're not feeling bonded with our partner. Right. So really, to distinguish, there's a lot of overlap between the two. Yes. But we encourage our listeners to put a name to your to both of these cycles. What emotionally role do you play? We we tend to put it into two categories. We all do some of both. Right, but we we call a pursuer or withdrawer. The pursuer is the one who's pushing for conversation, pushing for sex, pushing for connection. And Versus, sometimes, sometimes that's the same person. Right, you know, we can we can be that same person, but and then the withdrawer. The withdrawer is trying to turn the heat down. Doesn't want things to escalate. You know, find safety in not fighting and taking space. Right, both sides make perfect sense. You put them together, though, they often create a feedback loop where one person's pushing feeds his, feeds the other person's going away. The other person's going away feeds the other person pushing. Right. So how do you start to get curious to identify what do you do emotionally? What do you do sexually? What are your positions? Right. And just for the record, my website, awakeningcenter.org, there's a little test. It's a love and sex test, and it helps you define your cycle, which it helps you define the position that you are on the cycle. So so both of these really important parts of our life, we're often kind of on a continuum of pursue withdraw. Even if you're healthy, many times we sort of favor one side or the other. In the emotional cycle, it's kind of if we're healthy, there's this sense of I feel secure with you and safe with you. I long to come home with you because you're my champion. You're my biggest supporter in life. You're my safe harbor. I come home to you and you're my secure base. You support my other endeavors and the purpose of my life. And I would also say in the sexual cycle, it's like, I trust you that you want to share a life of physical intimacy with me. It's Sex is really that romantic evolution of what we had in childhood that was affection when our parents were careful and gave us hugs and kisses and all of that. And but even there, we can have a pursue-withdraw cycle. So, okay. Shall we show people what a pursue-withdraw cycle looks like in the emotional cycle first, and then we'll talk about the sexual attachment cycle a little bit later? So a, a helpful visual, again, and keeping it simple, is we all have these attachment needs, right? We all want to be seen. We want to be valued. We want to be connected. We want to get it right. We want to have success. We, we want to be, be desired desired, right? All that good stuff that makes a relationship thrive. That's the need. When there's a threat to that need, we protect ourselves, right? That threat is what we're calling the vulnerability. There's a, there's a, a fear, a fear I'm going to fail, a fear I'm going to be rejected. There's a hurt that happens, right? That's just how we, you know, when there's a threat, our body's going to respond to that threat. Right. And then and, and how we-, we protect ourselves is what we do, you know, when we're threatened. Mm -hmm. So there's a need, there's a threat to that need, and then there's our protection to that threat. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're really trying to break down here in both the emotional and sexual cycle. You say something that could be a threat to me, 
You might not know that, but that's the impact. And then I protect myself. And how I protect myself often becomes a threat to your needs. And then you protect yourself. And we get caught in this protective feedback loop that we're going to give examples of. And we call that the negative cycle, either emotionally or sexually. And I I would just add that our protection, there's only a few ways that human beings protect themselves. And that's kind of in a survival instinct, right? It's fight, flight, or freeze. And so we either flight is we withdraw, fight is we pursue and push. Freeze is, is kind of a withdrawal response, but we don't know what to do, but we're not really responding to our partner. Right. And what you see in this cycle is all those protective moves. How yes. one person's flight triggers the other person's fight, and they get caught up in this dance that we're really wanting you to name. What does that look like emotionally? What does that look like sexually for the two of you? Sometimes they're the same. Both the person sexually and emotionally might be the pursuer and their partner might be a withdrawer. That's what we're calling a the same pattern. Mm-hmm. The person takes the same position in both cycles. Right. More common, though, is the person who emotionally pursues often becomes the sexual withdrawer and vice versa. The person who emotionally withdraws sexually, that's how they try to connect, so they become the pursuer. Right. And that's what we just are calling a different cycle, right? It's a flip-flop or a crossover. I want to add the hope here is that couples often come to us in therapy and they think all their problems are different. We fight about this. We fight about that. I never know what we're going to fight about. But this organizes all their conflicts into a pattern, into a single pattern. And once you realize there's a pattern and you realize there are options that you are in control of, Mm -hmm. then we can solve these problems and we can solve all of them, which is the beautiful thing about thinking about problems as a cycle. Yeah, the really beautiful thing about it is you're externalizing the problem. Both partners, instead of blaming each other, which the cycle does, right? Each partner blames each other. We're getting them to look at the bigger picture, unite together to start blaming the cycle. The cycle takes away choice. It creates just this really quick, protective atmosphere Mm -hmm. that couples get lost in. It's Mm -hmm. hard to feel safe and connected when you're both threatened and protecting yourself. But when you start to get a couple to start saying, wait, this is exactly what's happening for us. Yes. Both of us. It's so automated. And that's why we call it like the third entity in the partnership. It almost has a life of its own. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, that's powerful to name that, to start saying, wow, you're right. The angry I get, the more you seem to go away. The more you seem to go away, I get angry. Right? To create change, both people have to do something differently. Both people have to help each other do it differently. That's uniting against something, which is very different than pointing the finger at your partner saying change because you're the problem. Yes. But it's really hard to change in that setting. It is. It is. And I think we want to help people. That's what the podcast is all about, is helping people see the cycle and learn what they can do instead of those automated responses so that both of them team up against this pattern 
And, you know, they say there's there's nothing f- like a fast bond as two people against a common enemy. That, that's a quick bond. So if you can see this as something that the two of you need to work against, it will help right at the beginning to feel more connected and attached. Exactly. One of my favorite quotes from Viktor Frankl, Holocaust survivor who wrote Search for Meaning, said, there's an event that happens, there's a trigger in the world, and then there's our response to that trigger. And it's so immediate. You say something, I respond. I say something, you respond. It's so quick. But he says there's actually a space between those two. And that's what we're trying to do when we say slow something down, because in that space is where our choice is. If you can't slow it down, the cycle will make the choice for you. And what we're trying to do is say, wait a second here. When you get hurt, you protect yourself by getting angry. You protect yourself by going away. That makes a ton of sense. But can you start to see with how you protect yourself has an impact, which is very different than the intent it is for you. For you, it's to feel safe. But the impact on your partner is often something very different. Can we try to figure out something different? When you could slow a cycle down by naming it and seeing it, you start to have a choice. This is where couples have power. They can work together to do it differently, which is so different than just letting the couple make the choice for them. And just what you said, that moment, that tiny moment where it gives us the power of choice feels like literally, I want to cry. My heart just fills up. It's like, yes, there really is hope. There is a moment. We do have a choice. And making the choice that will help our partner not be so defensive or defend dead, you know, we can change everything. People come to me and say, my partner would never go to therapy, so it's impossible, right? Two people need to change at the same time. And certainly that is a better way of approaching something. But even for one person to know that they have a choice, that does change a cycle because it's a system. We change one part of a system, the other part is forced to change. Yes, that's the good news here, that you might not be able to catch it when it's happening because these emotions are fast and they move quick. But the good news, it's the same moves over and over again. (laughs) It gets easier afterwards. Maybe it's the next day to say, you know what? We did it again. I got so angry. Yeah, and you walked away. You know, We both have good reasons for that, but we both lose every time that happens. And I'm sorry that I did what I did. I'm sorry. And all of a sudden, now you're coming back together. The only difference between master couples and disaster couples is that ability to repair after a fight. The cycle is what gives you the tool to repair after the fight. Oh, exciting. Okay, let's give people some examples when we come back from break. All right. George, I am so ready to see people in person. We are going to North Texas. Nice. I agree. We're zoomed out. Enough of this kind of talking to each other on screens and muting each other. Let's get back to the real thing. It's about connection, right, Lori? It is. And we're going to be teaching about sex and how therapists can help couples with their sexual attachment. You know what they say in Texas about sex, George? Keep the Stetson on, baby. Woo! So come join us. Come join us. NorthTexasEFT.com or fourplaysextherapy.com. We have it on our resource section. Please sign up. We want this thing to be full. We want to see you in person. We're going to party. We're going to have so much fun. Join us for sex and attachment training for therapists, Dallas, Texas. Join us August 12th to 13th. 
for the after party, too. Woohoo! Okay, I want to tell you guys about Foria, the Awaken Arousal Oil and Sex Oil. And it can really change your experience with sex and pleasure and orgasm, which is so cool. It's plant-based. It's all natural. It does have CBD oil in it, which kind of helps relax your vulva and your vagina. So you can kind of have heightened orgasms and more sexual pleasure. It's sort of this juicy warm-up that you can put on early before you actually start having sex. And it makes you feel turned on just as it is. It increases your pleasure. You can use it with your partner or by yourself. That's Awaken Arousal Oil or Sex Oil. It's by Foria. And you basically have my permission to go ahead and try this. I fully endorse it. I think it's a good product. Foria is offering a special deal for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash foreplay or use the code foreplay at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash foreplay for 20% off your first order. And I recommend trying their Awaken Arousal Oil and Sex Oil. You'll thank me later. So Lori, let's just get some practical examples. And really going back to those simples. Simple, there's a need. There's a threat to that need. And then we protect ourselves. Really inviting you all to think about that in this example. So let's start off with this emotional cycle. Lori has a need to connect. She wants to have a conversation with me. I have a need. I want to connect too, but I also want to feel successful. You know, so we're going to see what happens in this, this conversation. Okay. See if you all can figure out who's who, who's the pursuer, <laughs> who's the withdrawer. Because there's not a little bell that comes out and tells us what we are, right? We got to figure it out. Okay. Honey, d- did you get the text that I sent today? Yeah, I gave you that smiley face, remember? And I responded back. I let yeah, you know but, I saw it. But it I, I'm not even sure you read it because there were like three parts to it. And I, you know, I I really wanted you to see kind of what I was feeling about that stuff that we've been talking about in, you know, with the kids. And and it was like, I, I don't know, I you know, sometimes I think you send that smiley face just when you're busy and you're kind of, I, I, I felt blown off. Listen, you might be the only person I've ever met that can get mad at a smiley face. Seriously? I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I am busy and I'm just trying to let you know, like, uh, it, this matters. You matter. Like, we're good. And like, we, you know, we're sure we'll talk about this later tonight. I yeah, mean, but I sent it before lunch. I mean, you could have at least read it and, you know, at least said, said that. Okay. I, I'm reading it. I will, res- we'll talk about it over cocktails or over dinner or something. But it was like, a smiley face? Like, seriously. I'm, I'm, I'm really busy. Can we, like, talk about this later? Because, again, is what's what, why are you, we fighting over a smiley face now? You, I don't really have time for this. Yeah, okay, there you go. You're shutting down again. It's like, this is important to me, and I, I just feel like you don't care about me when you do that. Again, you blow everything into some huge thing. This is not a big deal. This yeah, is not it's not a big, a big deal. deal to you. It's not a big deal to you, but it is a big deal to me. All right. Well, I, like I said, I got to go. My boss is calling me. Click. I like felt, I felt heat. <laughs> I was mad at you and you weren't even my husband. Okay. Well, you we could see how quick these triggers are. <laughs> Familiar. <laughs> so again, we can see the need 
for Lori to connect. This is important. She needs a conversation. She's wanting to be understood and seen. So she initiates and she pushes and she wants to process. Right? When I hear that tone, wanting to process, I'm getting the message, the thread in that is I'm doing something wrong. I'm failing. I try to defend myself. I try to get her to calm down. Like, it's just a smiley face. Like, aren't you? Just chill out. Again, what is that impact? How I protect myself, which is try to turn the emotion down. What did that do to you, Lori? Yeah, I mean, it escalated in me. You know, just this sense of here, I didn't get the response that I wanted the first time. Now I'm bringing it the second time. You know, I... I try to ask in this nice way, hey, did you get my text? And and then I immediately get defense. And so inside me, I'm like, okay, this is so important. I got to push my partner to, to see the content. But it's no longer about the content. It's about this feeling that he's not responding to me. And that makes me crazy inside. So you can see Lori's protection start to rev up. She starts to point out what I'm not doing. This is exactly why I didn't want to have the conversation. My body's anticipating the anger, the criticism, the negativity. I don't have the space for that. I don't want to deal with it. So I try to then shut it down. I try to pull out of the conversation. I try to get her to do it at another point when things will be calmer. Again, the more I try to turn it down, the more she turns it up, the more both of us are lost in a negative cycle. I have good reasons to want to turn it down. She has good reasons to want to turn it up. Right. I'm pursuing, he's withdrawing. And his withdrawal triggers something inside me that I get bigger, more critical, more angry, which of course makes him want to shut down. First, he gets a little defensive, pushes back a little bit, maybe a little bit of sarcasm. Who could, you know, who could be upset about a smiley face? But then eventually he actually leaves. He hangs up the phone. Mm -hmm. And we see Lori's hope is in her pursuit. That's the only way she's going to get me to engage is to kind of get me to see the importance of this conversation. So that anger gives a hope. It gives us some power as a beautiful intent. But the impact for me is it's, it's making me more nervous that things are emotionally getting out of control. And my trying to disengage is my safety to that emotion. I'm not doing it because I don't care. I'm doing it because I don't want this to get too turned up because really bad things happen when it does. So the intent of mine is to create safety, create calmness, and yet it has the opposite impact. And that's what protection does. It's short term. It protects the person, but then the person doesn't see the costs, the impact to that behavior on their partner. And that's what we're trying to get couples to see, interdependency. My protection to go away, that makes sense to me, is pretty horrible for Lori. Right. The impact of your going away hits me as you don't care about me. And of course, as I ramp up and get more critical, the impact on you is you're failing. You're not good enough. Exactly. And we're lost. And we do this fight a million different ways over a million different issues. But the dance move, those protective moves are very similar over and over again. Right. And if you can name those protective moves, you can see the cycle. You'll see the interdependency. So let's look at it sexually. Okay. All right. Okay, so let's do a little role play. You be the sexual pursuer. Okay. 
which a lot of times it is this role reversal, right? Because I'm the emotional withdrawer. I don't ask for what I need emotionally in relationships. So sexually becomes the one area that becomes important, right? It's often more, the sexual pursuit is much more than just the orgasm, right? Which we can talk more about. So, so Lori, what do you think tonight? (laughs) A little, little long time, a little action, me and you? Um, you know, um, I, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't feel, I don't, I, I'm not really feeling it. I, I got so much to do tomorrow. It's going to be a late, late night already with just what I got to get done. I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, maybe, maybe later. I don't know. Maybe. It's always maybe with you. It's always tomorrow. It's always another time. I mean, this is the problem. What is when like, when did you want it? When did you initiate? Like, yeah. why, is, why is this always uh, like on me? You're never in a mood. That is not true. That is not true. I am in the mood sometimes. And I think if you will just think about it, you know, we recently had sex. I, I mean, it was like, I don't know, a couple days ago, honey. This is like I'm living in another reality. A couple days ago, that was two weeks ago. I mean, this is what happens. You have sex once, like you throw me a bone and like all of a sudden we're good for a month or something. I mean, really? And this is partly why I don't want to have sex with you is you get so mad at me. You get so angry. It's like, why would I want to have sex with you when you're always mad at me? I wouldn't be mad at you if you wanted to have sex more. I, I do want to have sex. I feel like you don't even give me credit. You know, I. I mean, last time, for crying out loud, I I dressed up for you. And you it's like you don't even see my efforts. Again, sex once or twice a month it doesn't feel like a huge effort for me. Again, this is part of the problem. You just won't do your work around this. Try to figure out what was going on with you. It, uh, you know, it, it is just so unfair what you are saying. It's like you are always all about sex. You are always all about sex. And I, I just... Look, I can't even talk about this tonight. I am exhausted Fine. as it is. I'm going to just, I got to go upstairs and, and get ready for bed. What else is now? Okay. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> you can see my hope is in trying to get her to engage, to see the problem, right? That, that if she wanted to focus on this and read a book or do something maybe she'd want to have sex more i'm trying to fix the problem by pushing her to engage to have a conversation to want to have sex my hope is that she's going to do something different i'm trying to motivate her but the impact doesn't actually motivate her it actually does what to you Lori? yeah it just makes me feel like i'm not good enough i'm not making him happy and he's getting angrier, which makes me just feel terrible inside. And I keep getting this message. Like, in my mind, I had sex recently, and I did a good job, and he was happy. And now that's just gone away. It doesn't even matter. And it, it does begin to feel like all he really wants is sex. He, he's, you know, he's not really seeing. He's not seeing me. He's not seeing my effort. Right. And it sounds to me all it's just excuses and deflection and her not wanting to take responsibility. It's a really simple problem to me. If she did a little (laughs) bit of work, this would be, we could change the numbers. You need new numbers here. You know, sex (laughs) once a month is not cutting it. So I'm really trying to pound her with this message 
And I'm really believing that it's going to sink through, but that's the definition of insanity. I keep pounding her with a message thinking it's going to change things. And all it's doing to Lori is it's shutting her down more, making her feel more pressured, more like a failure, more discouraged. And she wants to get away from that message. It's hard to feel turned on when your body's like ready to kind of feel like it's going to go to war or it's going to be kind of beat up. Yep. I just want to defend myself and then I want to get out of it. It's like this conversation we've had this a million times. I end up being the bad guy, the person and... You know, who, and I'm not seen for my efforts, which makes me feel more discouraged. People tell me all the time in both cycles, the withdrawer says, no matter what I do, it's not good enough anyway. So why should I do anything? And the pursuer says, damn straight, because you don't do enough. And I mean, it's just this constant feeling of push, withdraw, push, withdraw. Exactly. So let's break it down simply. Right? We both have these beautiful needs to connect, to want to be intimate, to want to get it right. All is good stuff. There's a threat to that. When Lori is not in a mood, it's a threat to my needs. I protect myself. I protect myself with anger and criticism because I'm trying to motivate change. That protection becomes a threat to Lori. She gets the message. She's failing me. I'm upset with her. She protects herself by, I don't want to have this conversation. I don't want to feel worse about this. I want to get away from this conversation. She tries to get away, makes me feel more rejected. I protect myself more with anger. She feels more like a failure. She protects herself more with going away. And we're lost in this cycle. The cycle is winning. Trying to get the couple to be able to blame the cycle. We have both good reasons for what we're doing. And we're feeding each other. My protection feeds her protection. Her protection feeds my protection. When you get a couple to see that, you get two heads nodding saying, yes, this is exactly what's happening. You're you're on your first step towards recognizing the problem. The problem isn't your partner. The problem is the cycle. And we spend lots of time in foreplay to really help you solve this problem. Today, we wanted to lay it out map it out for you, give you the basics again so that you could start to identify which protective strategy do I use? Am I fight or am I flight? Am I push? Am I pull away? Am I pursue or am I withdraw? And thinking about them in both cycles, the emotional cycle and the sexual attachment cycle is so important. We need both of them. They kind of overlap a lot But we really want you to think about it again. If you're confused, if you don't know who you are, awakeningcenter.org, go and take the little love and sex test. That's a helpful thing. People tell me it, it really identifies their position. So the two critical things we want you to end with is one, yes, name your protective move. What do you do when you're threatened? Two, and what do you think the impact of your move is to your partner? Because that's when you're really going to start seeing a cycle. You have good reasons for it. Yes, that's one. Two, what does it do to your partner? Can you see that? Couples that can see the impact of their protective move on a partner is starting to get the negative cycle. That is really central. I love that you just made emphasize that point because when I see as a sexual withdrawer that this makes my partner frantic, like he's never going to get his sexual needs met in a relationship where he's promised fidelity, just what a trap, what a bind. It's so painful. 
And when I can see that when I go away, it makes it worse for him or emotionally, when my partner can see him going away, him hanging up, I am I am desolate, right? I'm so frustrated and so abandoned. I mean, it's really important to see the impact of your move. We, we know it makes good sense on the inside to you to use this protective strategy. But just ask yourself, what do I think that does to my partner? Beautiful. Okay, thanks for listening. Keep it hot and beat that cycle. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.